I brought the wrong homily to today's Mass. I was in the sacristy like one minute before panicking because it wasn't the one that I needed. So Marcelo had to run to our house. Thank God he printed it again. So if you remember last Sunday, Jesus' words were very demanding. We heard him saying to us, repent or you will perish. So it was an urgent call to repentance. And today his words are much more encouraging, I think. He's saying to us, if you repent, the Father runs to you filled with compassion, embraces you, kisses you, clothes you with new robes, this means cleanses you, puts a ring, a ring on your finger, renews his covenant with you, sandals on your feet, renews your mission, your purpose. And then he celebrates, moved with joy. And this is why we can almost hear the cry from St. Paul to the disciples in Corinth, be reconciled to God, almost as if begging. It's so easy. The door is open. This is the moment, the time. Just be reconciled with him. Paul himself had experienced in his own life this kind of reconciliation, the kind of restoration that is brought about by being reconciled with God. His transformation was amazing. He felt the mercy of God in his, love, in his own life in an amazing way. So we can almost hear the emotion in his words when he says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away, new things have come. It doesn't matter what you were before, something new is offered to you if you are reconciled with him. And reconciliation has been our Lenten journey, right? We Reconciliation with the Father that brings about reconciliation with ourselves, with our own story, with creation, and also with others as well. So our topic for today is reconciliation with others. So we're going to approach this parable that we heard so many times from the perspective of the two brothers being reconciled, hopefully, and as an invitation to be reconciled ourselves with our brothers and sisters. The Lord faces two audiences, the tax collectors, tax collectors and sinners who are all drawing near to listen to Jesus, the gospel says, and then Pharisees, the ones who began to complain. The rebellious tax collectors and the resentful, the hot-hearted and the cold-hearted. They were two very different groups, but both of them had this share on the same route. They had lost their filial identity. They lost touch with the Father through different ways, but with a similar result. Like the sons in the parable, one has left the house altogether, he just left, and the other stayed, though his heart was gone already. So the Pharisees came to approach Jesus about the banquet with this group of tax collectors and sinners. He was having a banquet with them. They were coming back, thanks to the personal influence of Levi, one of the apostles, and the Pharisees were scandalized about that, and they were complaining about that. The older son, 
in like manner in the parable, comes to reproach the father about the banquet for the younger son who had just come back to the house. So we see why Jesus is addressing this story, this parable. And in that reproach lies the main point that I want to share with you tonight. Our identity as sons and daughters is directly proportional to our, to our identity as brothers and sisters. And it works both ways. The more we understand our identity as sons and daughters of God the Father, the more we are open to see others and to relate to others as brothers and sisters. But the more we do that, the more we practically see and treat others as brothers and sisters, the more we understand the Father's heart, his love for us. It goes both ways. We understand more others who they are under God's sight when we feel God's love for us and when we see others as brothers and sisters. But the more we treat them like that, the more we get to understand the amazing heart of God for us. The father in the parable loves both sons, not because they're so good, but because he is good. His heart is good, the the heart of the father. And God loves us, not because we are good or so good, but because he is good. His love makes us good and worthy. It's grace, it's the meaning of grace, precisely that we don't earn it, we don't deserve it, we receive it as a gift. And this is good news. They were both selfish in their own way, yet the father loved them both, both of them. However, the brothers were not able to love each other or be reconciled with each other because they were disconnected from the father's heart in the first place. So sin not only affects our relationships with God, but also with others. And reconciliation doesn't only affect our relationship with God, but also with others. We are reconciled with God, we are really reflected about that, and then we become, little by little, reconciled with others. And then we deepen that reconciliation and we come closer to the Lord. And two attitudes stemming out of being distant with the Father, the rebellious heart, and the resentful heart. Let's, let's stay here for a minute. The rebellious heart, like the younger son of the parable, decides to follow his own plan, his own project, save your own skin, mentality, do your own thing, and makes his own decisions, and he's unaware of the father, of the other brother, of anyone really. It's an individualistic mindset. I just want to do my own thing. The path that the younger brother takes is easy to follow, and we see it all the time. You begin by enjoying what you have, but then quickly he feels the burden of sin, loneliness, selfishness, purposelessness, addiction, isolation, until he hits bottom rock and decides to come back. He can't really care about others or be reconciled with others because he's absorbed in in himself, in his own individualistic mindset. Rembrandt was a Baroque painter 
born in the Netherlands in 1604 from a wealthy family, we have in the National Gallery of Art some very cool paintings of Rembrandt. In his teenage years, he moved to Amsterdam to pursue his artistic career. He was an apprentice for a few years and then gained great fame very quickly. And so he was successful. He married a young woman that he respected and loved. But then some tragedies happened in his life. He lost some children and began to distance himself from the Catholic faith he had received from his family. So he began to seek refuge in the illusions that Amsterdam had to offer, spending all his money in a life of dissipation. He went bankrupt, lost his family, married twice more, but was never able to find solid ground. So he went down, downhill for many years. And he painted 12 self-portraits, at least 12, some say even more. And you can see his life story as you, as you see those different self-portraits. They tell a story. However, at the end of his life, he began to return to the father's house and you know, came back to God, began to seek him earnestly. And in 1669, he painted that famous painting of the return of the prodigal son in which we see God the Father embracing his son and we can only see the back of the son. The son is kneeling before the father and the father is embracing him with his love. And he said that this painting was the best self-portrait he painted. The one that depicted him the most. A sinner received by the father. This is who I am. And I think this all, all, we, are, we are all, I, we are all like, like him in, in some way, at least. So this is the journey of the, the younger brother. The resentful heart, the older brother, sees everything as a task, like a load. He counts every single thing that he does, always keeping tally of what others don't do or could do or shouldn't do. He compares himself a lot. He's moral, he's upright, but he's not religious really, because he doesn't love the father. And that's why to him the father says, my son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But he couldn't see that because he didn't love the father. So he was resentful, he was resenting being in the house, having to work for the father, doing his daily duties. No love. John Henry Newman, in one of his sermons, he wrote, listen to this. The aim of many is, to all appearance, not how to please God, but how to please themselves without displeasing God. So how to get away with what I want to do as long as I don't mess up with him. So sure, the, the, the older brother had faith, we could say, but no love. So he just tried to make the most for himself of the situation. And he was resenting the limits that the father, that being in the father's house would imply to this plan that he had in his mind of 
making the most for himself. Back to Newman. He who loves does not act from calculation or reasoning. He does not, in his cool moments, reflect upon or talk of what he's doing as if it were a great sacrifice. Much less does he pride himself on it. Love is what transforms the daily duties in a joy, a gift. It happens at all levels, not only with our religious duties, with our daily duties. So the older brother couldn't even be reconciled himself with the father or with his younger brother because he was keeping an, a precise account of everything that, should, that he was earning, so to say. Well, St. Paul says, the old has passed. If you were reconciled with God, whatever happened before, never mind, something new is now offered to you. So let's think for a moment what this new thing, this new situation looks like for us. First of all, a new vision. We need to, if we want to be reconciled with others, to learn to see our brothers and sisters with new eyes, with the eyes of God, to see others as God sees others, with that gaze, so to say, also with that heart, with that love. Try to do that when you're walking in the street and you're seeing people, when, you're, when you are in the metro, these people that are with me in this car are sons and daughters of the Father, and probably they enjoy the same love that I enjoy from the Father. And I might, know if, I might not feel like it, but this is a theological truth. So then you can pray, you can say, Lord, give me that sight. Help me see what you see and feel what you feel for these brothers and sisters of mine. It's a grace. We need to ask for that grace. We cannot do that. We cannot see people as God sees them unless he gives this grace to us, but he wants to. So we ask for it with a sincere heart and we receive it. A new vision for the ones around us, for our family members, for our classmates, for our co-workers, for the ones that we you know, deal with every day. Give me a new vision for this person, most especially for, this, for that one who might be a little challenging if you want. Who is this person for you? Who is him? Who is she for you? The second is new words, new sight, new words. So speak well of others. This is very important because what we say, what comes, what we utter, what comes out of our mind somehow circles back. It spins a wheel, so to say, that can go one way or the other. And it has an effect on what others think and feel about people, but also what we, we reinforces something, right? So be mindful of your words, your external words, or even your internal words, that conversation that you have with yourself or even with God. You know how Satan is called in the Bible? The accuser. He's the one who accuses us before God. And you know how the Holy Spirit is called in the Bible? The paraclete. The one who defends us, the lawyer. The advocate. So, Say good words about others. 
be quick to, to recognize the gifts and, and, and show them to others. The old brother says to the father, your son returns and he swallowed your property with, with prostitutes. He criticizes the brother. Especially when you go before God. When you're praying, never accuse your brother or your sister. On the contrary, put yourself before God like Moses or like even Jesus and say, Father, look at him, look at her. They're so good. You try to show their best part, even if you don't feel like it. And then you will begin to feel like it after a while. God loves when you do that. When you are there kneeling before him, advocating for your brother or for your sister. Saying, don't take account of his or her sins or shortcomings or failures. But instead, look at all these good things that they have done. Lastly, a new attitude. If you are going to serve in the church, in your family, you know, in your daily life, do it with joy. Reclaim your freedom to serve. Don't become like the older brother, resentful, but choose it every day. And if you cannot choose it, then don't do it. Who is forcing you to serve? Reclaim your freedom that God gave you before God and renew your purpose. Lord, I do want to serve. I do want to do this out of love. And as you renew that purpose, you will receive it. May the Lord give us a new sight, a new love, new words, new attitude of service in our daily life so that we can avoid both extremes, avoid running away from God or becoming resentful and we can be at peace with everyone.